starts, and welcome to Real Indigenous, where these Indigenous people get real about what's on our screen and everything that's in between. With me, bringing thoughts, feelings, and critical minds is... Maduica, it's the sunrise. Hello, this is Matt Bars. And today we have a very special guest. We're super excited for her to join us. If you will introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Buju, my name is Jennifer Rader. I'm uh, an actress and dancer and local film crew member in Oklahoma. And I think that's selling yourself short a little bit. <laughs> you are multi-talented. You are <laughs> I do. super active in the film scene. You are one of the up-and-coming movers and shakers. It's hard to see a film come through Oklahoma's area <laughs> and not see you attached somehow. I feel like that's rare. Yeah, I'll sometimes wear a couple hats on production, whether it's in the casting office or stunts or acting or choreography or whatever the the show may need. (laughs) Do you have one particular thing that you like to do the most or is it just like a new day every day? Predominantly, I am an actor. I spend, you know, my day time in in the extras casting office, but I... My my first foot forward is acting, and then from there, anything that can tag along does stunts, um, dancing, any of that. And when you say dancing, what kind of dancing? So I grew up. I'm a professional dancer. I grew up training every single genre. So I've done. I've been on films in the past, helping out choreography, whether it's been um, Western line dancing. I've done like 1960s um, waltzing and cool dance um and as far as and then even into hip-hop and a little bit more cowboy dancing in there as well and then is, is there classical stuff in there like ballet tap is that stuff in there i personally i mean yes i i personally train ballet tap jazz hip-hop i haven't quite gotten there in film yet but in the film world but i trained it all i i graduated with a degree in modern dance performance so any style of dance you would want, I've done. <laughs> I don't think people realize how important it is to be able to control the space and your body in the space. I think that us dancers have maybe an unfair advantage because we do understand the power of movement, how mm-hmm. how it can convey, how it can communicate without words, which film... I mean, you know, it's a visual language, so I think it's really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There I call them my muscles. Like I I can flex the muscle between how far I want to reach as far as like if my audience was further away or closer or if the space is really intimate, like it's a muscle I feel like um or just like a way of being that you have to be aware of and you can you can be big and bright or you can be very small and intimate and you know space people I feel like dance has given me that ability to be able to reach those um just the different spaces in in any situation even emotionally I feel like um because in dance I mean I don't use words it took me once I got into acting um it took me about a year or two to be able to speak out loud without feeling too vulnerable to do much else but cry (laughs) um but I've I've really reined in those those muscles, as I call them. And, you know, emotionally, I've been able to 
cry on command or like, you know, have a range of emotion that I feel like dance helped me get to that point of being able to control. Is that control also something that like helps when there's like multiple takes and you got to repeat and then. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. You go through performances daily or sometimes two a days and you have to go right back to it. And, and, you know, it takes a lot of practice to find those moments. And, you know, I think theater, live theater, people will understand where I'm coming from as well, but you find those moments of authenticity and like, for me, it's, you know, it's a memory or it's anything that can come up in that moment, but um, having to do it over and over again can be really taxing, but I, I do feel like dance gave me that ability to repeat. When when you're talking about like these different roles that you play, I'm curious if there's a way in which you mm-hmm. see yourself leaning into one area more than others in terms of like the body, if there's a certain area of the body or certain kind of like muscles that you keep talking about. Do some work more in one of these jobs more than others? Oh, yeah. Um, I've done a couple very physical roles, you know, with Ryan Redcorn and Pishon Bread. And through those characters, I've had to embody somebody that is obviously completely not me at all, um, if you know their work. And it does, I think I've been dancing so long that it's kind of second nature to me where I, I just know and I can get into it pretty quickly. And so for me, it all kind of does live in my head. Um, but there's definitely like an air of how you have to hold yourself and put yourself in that in that space and in that type of body situation. Yeah. Can you compare those two a little bit? Just like Dead Bird Hearts and then Mystery <laughs> Shred. Yeah, I was right, going to so- say, we should explain the two different films <laughs> that we're talking about. Yeah. So I was involved in a film called Mistress Red. Um, it is a, a film created by Pishon Bread about a, it's a mockumentary about an indigenous fashion blogger who has a double life as a dominatrix. And so this, this interviewer comes to her home and doesn't know that she's a dominatrix. And instead of, she gets full interview style because I'm in the middle of a session and uh, I lead her through my life. And then Ryan Redcorn, I did a short film for him called Dead Bird, Dead Bird Hearts. And it is essentially the, the life between a, a man and his dog, and I play his dog, and their journey through loneliness and loss. So in two people I've played, a dominatrix and a dog, you have to completely transform away from who you feel like you would be naturally. <laughs> did you have to do anything in prep? for either of those that might be different in terms of like uh, non-physical and then physical prep for either of those? Oh, yeah. So, you know, just me personally, I am rather shy and um, prudish, <laughs> which I had to get rid of completely um, entering Pichon's work. Um, they were incredibly helpful, uh, helping me learn the world and, you know, the different things that you do and the practices and all of that. And so... I did have to like physically, you know, whip and and be in that world and have that confidence. And man, I tell you, being confident and then having to do that while being filmed is two completely different worlds of confidence. So the vulnerability is up and you you become very aware of yourself when you are being physical in a way that you're not used to being, which was just incredible. Like I, I cannot... I'm so grateful for the chance to have played that role. 
um, because she is so different than my than my normal day to day, even in normal acting conversations and stuff. So having to learn that physicality from them was amazing because it it brings up a specific sort of vulnerability that you have to kind of get through and you have to get past to then be able to fully accept your own self, um, which is essentially what their film was all about. And it's just full circle moments, like coming into it and then learning as well was amazing. And then with Ryan, with Dead Bird Hearts, little prep we were very like it was it was a you know audition role shoot like very quickly um I don't own a dog but I'm a huge cat person so coming into it I was like I don't know maybe I'll act like a five-year-old and like just have fun and just see what happens like I know what a dog kind of is and (laughs) just played it was just a, a time to play and everyone was very encouraging so I was able to explore physically how a dog acts. (laughs) Well, they were both fan favorites at Dead Center. I was lucky enough to see those both at Dead Center. um, And it just shows the great range that you have. They're so totally different. Um, Is there a role that you like, I would prefer to, or or that you gravitate toward? Or is there stuff that you, that you prefer? So I don't know that there's like a specific role. Um, You know, actors always talk about, well, you got to find like your niche or your, or, you know, what you do and you look like a cowboy. So you play the cowboy roles and that definitely exists. You know, if you can find your niche, great. I don't have that yet. And I feel very open to all roles. I will say that, that like dramatic scenes are what I gravitate towards being vulnerable or teary or, um, you know, it more emotionally intense scenes are what I gravitate towards as far as like, as opposed to like comedy. But again, it's a journey and I'm learning. <laughs> Speaking of comedy, I love the str- the Shutter streaming service. And I was lucky enough to yeah. watch um, Scare Package 2, Rad Chad's Revenge. <laughs> you are pretty funny in that. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, what was it? like um, um there's you you were involved with a little bit of special effects i'm wondering how that um kind of affects your the acting process is that cumbersome is it uh, is it cool to be around oh real quick i'm oh, jealous it's very you, cool yeah <laughs> you got killed by kelly maroney and that that's awesome in, in and of itself <laughs> um but yeah, yeah. What, what was it what, what was that whole process like <laughs> It was a great time. Um, yeah, the acidic vomit from Kelly was <laughs> incredible. Um, having to rig all of that up. And I am not a horror fan. I'm a huge baby. And so learning that this film was like a homage and and a love letter of sorts to the sequels of horror films completely blew past me. So, you know, doing this film, I was like, oh, this is hilarious and great and you know I it wasn't until I watched the film that I understood <laughs> I understood yeah, yeah. um that there were different moments of films and and um of a horror films going through those special effects it is taxing but it's the type of taxing that you feel exhilarated at the end of the day after because it's completely you know new experiences I had to get my face completely 
cast and plastered and all of that um wow wow after filming because then they like did we you know we did the face melt and all of that um mm-hmm. which was scary in and of itself um having to sit there and you know get your face molded and all of that you know they shove the yeah straws up your nose so you can breathe and wasn't expecting it coming into the film then you know was up for the adventure so how long is that process and did you have to do anything to like acclimate to the amount of time no the process i mean i feel like it only took about 45 minutes this was we filmed a year i don't even know at this point two two years or two or three years ago now um so my mind is a little bit rough about it but I think it was about 45 minutes you just sit there very still you know I had to make because I was it was after I had gotten you know vomited on and all of this stuff I had to make this like really awful like cringing face and so sitting there for so long like in that grimace was um a little bit difficult uh you know but I guess I guess uh, again you know thank god I had my dance background because I'm used to kind of uncomfortable positions and sitting in one space and in being very in my body it helped me be able to just kind of get through it and come out of it and be like all right let's go like what's next so it was a positive experience you know for what it was so you got your degree in performance how did you get into casting how what was that career path it's a great story actually um Straight out of college, I went and danced on a cruise ship through the Bahamas and the Caribbean. And uh, after my, you know, contract was up, I came home and I went to a lake and was just hanging out. And I decided to jump off of a a ledge of a a wall. I, you know, was invincible up to this point and uh, completely shattered my uh, right ankle. So yeah, landed on a rock in the grass that I didn't see and fell on all fours. And in that moment, I was like, oh, my dance career is now over. <laughs> like literally in that instance was like, great. Now I got to figure out what else to do. Oh uh, so, you know, I took care of that and I, I didn't know what to do with my life, like had no idea. And I was like, you know, I like the storytelling aspect of dance. Like that's always what I gravitated towards. And so I literally Googled acting in Oklahoma And I found the actor factory and and just decided to go for it, interned in the casting office. And then at the end of my internship had the, uh, you know, the chance to be, you know, work in the office as soon as a couple of his employees had left Chris Freyhofer uh, of Freyhofer Casting. So, yeah, just little Google, (laughs) little Google. (laughs) Just go to Google. Changed my life. (laughs) Did did you feel your story? What was that uh, shift like just in terms of like psychologically or emotionally having to shift into casting, right? Because it seems like also there's some competition there, right? That the other people could be going out for things that you could be going out for. And then, you know. So in the office, um, it was working in the casting office. I felt personally was like the crash course to learning about the industry coming in. I already felt a little bit behind compared to, you know, my age group and people that I would be acting against. So uh, I decided to get into the casting office to learn about the process and ways I can, you know, learn and understand even what to do for myself. And it's, there's not a lot of, 
I don't know. I don't know how to how to speak on competition because there wasn't, there isn't much in my head, you know, as far as, as far as like, you know, seeing other actors, you're through the, you're through the entire process in itself. And so, you know, you're seeing auditions being played by all sorts of people and types and all of that. And, you know, in, in the casting office, once you're considered for a project, you're completely off the casting side of it. So it was pretty easy for me to keep it, you know, either keep it, how do you say, like compartmentalized. I think people don't realize that there are so many things going on behind mm-hmm. that, the whole decision-making process that you oh, know, yeah. you're, not, you're not, it's not like the voice where you're going head to head with anybody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I had the benefit of, you know, being the reader and at the end of the day, you like, you know, we, we hold the auditions and then the tapes go off and the director sees them. And then from there was a process that I had nothing to do with. Yeah. It's out of your hands. It's all, it's moved on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if I ever had the, um, gosh, now my words are all escaping me. The privilege of getting to get past, you know, the first call or anything like that then I was completely off of a project and I just always kept it very compartmentalized it's been really nice to see all of the variety of roles that are coming through for indigenous people now you know Mm -hmm. when I first started in the industry it was all nurses um maids correctional Mm -hmm. officers it just you know kind of more labor (laughs) Mm -hmm. specific very small little mm-hmm. like ethnically ambiguous roles <laughs> right yeah no these days I mean we've got full films and tv shows for indigenous actors and actresses um and I love all of the the different lights that people are are seeing indigenous people in I love Sterling Hardros when he's like yeah you guys didn't know we were funny huh to res dogs like so it's been good shift in the right direction it's funny because angela is saying these roles but i'm also like i'm like thinking about the roles that you're in (laughs) i know (laughs) i know i know yeah in res dogs yeah but like res dog yeah that's a great uh, being that officer that's really great it's like yeah but that's such a bigger role than what i always went up for which was you know spread your legs hold your hands out i mean you know there was an actual conversation in the light horse room where everybody's yeah. ribbing each other and it just right. you know it's such a different feel it is a different feel because it, it's like an expansion on who we are as a people you know we those roles still exist and those lines of work still exist but they're so much more than just you know the one-off the one-liners and you know the the pass-bys that you see in what used to be you know, what we were expected to, what was expected for us. Now you get, you get an entire world around it. And it's just, it's just so great having the ability to see into what, you know, indigenous people are rather than just what they, you know, the the shape of them. And the color of them. And the color of them. Yes. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about stunt work? Right. Cause you're, for sure. 
you know, they're also doing stunts and some of them are combined in terms of their role and stunt work. But mm -hmm. is there a difference between like the, the stunt process and like being cast for a role? And then is there a difference between like the stunt muscles versus like the dance muscles? Yes, yes. Um, so in stunts, you know, it's it's a lot different than acting, actually, because in the acting world, you have, you know, an agent working for you telling you here, here's your audition, say these words, and then we'll watch your tape in the stunt world. It's more, it's more hustle. It's more about who you know, um, you got to get in when you can get in. And then once you're in, it's like, all right, well, now we know you can do it. So let's keep keep on giving you these, you know, this work. It's a lot more difficult. You know, people come up to me all the time and they're like, how did you get into this? And I would love to do stunts. And I'm like, I sold a guy some Star Wars tickets and he needed somebody that looked like me. <laughs> like, I don't know. Wow. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what was... Star Wars tickets were they for? Yeah, how does, what, what? what? What was the Star Wars? <laughs> it was um, a, oh gosh, I don't remember the title. Uh, you know, one of those newest ones with the Ray character. That's fascinating. A New Hope or something. Yeah. Um, That's fascinating. <laughs> and I had two extras and, you know, he needed them and then was like, you know, I've got a an ethically ambiguous person I'm looking to stunt double if you have any interest. And I was like, sure do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> Always say yes if someone offers you a role. <laughs> um, within limits anyways. But yeah, so I, I don't getting in the world, you just have to again get in where you fit in. Um and and you prove yourself on set, you have a good work ethic, you you know, you don't act like an idiot and you get the work done. Um and you're pretty much good to go. Forget what else you asked me about it. Oh, the muscles, the muscles being different. Yeah. It is a lot different. Yeah. A stunt world, a stunt day is like eight shows in one um as far as like your muscle exhilaration and how you how tired you feel at the end of the day you know because it's it's a lot of sit around and wait for your stunt and then do your stunt nine times in a row or however long and uh you know you get beat up and you get the punch or the you know you you make yourself fall on the floor and it's a it's a lot uh when you have to think about the camera and the other person and what you yourself are doing. There's a lot of brain work that goes into it as well. So now that we kind of know all of these things, I'm curious where your role of Sarah Butler and killers of the flower moon sits in all of these, because you're, you're doing all of these things. Like you're, you're playing someone. Yeah. There's, there's acting, there's uh stunt work. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm curious about the casting process for all that. And then, and then because there's a stunt involved that's all in one take there, how mm -hmm. that how that occurred in terms of like the takes and, you know, mm -hmm. it, also because that film is so large, there's multiple units shooting. I'm curious. It was like first unit, second unit, um, all those things. Yeah, for sure. So with Sarah Butler, at this point in filming, I had had a couple of stunt days already. So I, I had the privilege of being in, in the wedding scene um, and the town race, the like car race that you see, and then the um, dance scene. Tatanka Means is in that um, scene and like it's up 
it's like a it's not a parade or like a festival in the town in downtown um mm-hmm. and then you see the dancers in there so i was in that um so i was already kind of known in the space of being in stunts and um i think you know sarah butler was a very important character because of the atrocity to her death um and so at that point it, it was you know just another call it was a, a word of mouth call like i know you're here can you can you be this character um i've kind of lost my train of thought so i don't remember <laughs> what else you asked me about it well i'm just curious about like the once you're cast the the technical side of it you know? oh yeah 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 we had so there was it was the most incredible process uh, with Richard Butcher and, um, you know, the stunt guy, Casey. Um, we had a rehearsal for it a couple of days prior to shooting. And it was, we went through all of these scenarios. It felt very hands-on, which was an incredible moment getting to collaborate uh, with a stunt coordinator almost. And, uh, ha- you know, we tried all of these different areas of where the death could take place in the house and, you know, outside and like where exactly it'll be. So we're ready for anything that happens, which was awesome. Um, and so, you know, having having the ability to kind of adapt on the day doesn't typically, in my world anyways, on, you know, in stunts and stuff does not, you don't get that time to just be in the space and practice. But then on the day, thank goodness, they decided to go with the, you know, the death on the lawn and in the grass, because um, that was a much better fall than on the concrete porch. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, but it was it was with first unit. Um, so I worked with the first AD, Adam, and then Martin Scorsese was there. Um, we did the take. We did it five or six times. You know, we had a couple infants because I was, you know, I, I had the baby with me. And, you know, they have a mind of their own. And so there was one take specifically where, you know, the 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 baby did not like being put in the carriage and did not want to be, mm. you know, by himself or um, and so he's like climbing out of the out of the carriage at the same time. And it was just awesome having all all of the elements on set. Um, but then we we did it about five or six times to get the, you know, the shot just right. Yeah, sounds that like is choreography. Yeah, it sounds like choreography. Yeah, absolutely. Dance choreography. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially since it yeah. all happens all at once. It's like yeah, I mean yeah. All right. Yes, that was all one shot, yeah. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, one yeah. shot. Um, you know, timing comes into play. Uh, ben Hall was the, the actor that I I was with. Um, you know, shooting through the window and then coming and stealing the baby. Luckily, we're, he and I, you know, good friends. And, you know, so we had, uh, you know, a shorthand and an understanding and comfortable around each other. And we had to get the timing just right of all of the elements of it. Luckily, it was, it was nice having another local actor uh, to be able to collaborate with. How long was that day? Um, I mean, it was a full, at that point, you know, this was closer towards the end of filming. And I think they had think if I can remember correctly they had set up for maybe maybe one more scene after that so I was able to spend about a full half day's film on that we were able to we you know the crew and the production was able to spend about a half day on that shot that's pretty amazing considering what seemed like very short days on either Mistress Red or probably Dead Bird Hearts oh yeah well Dead Bird Hearts I don't know Mistress Red and Dead Bird Hearts I mean 
being on set with them, uh, with those films, like having it be full, you know, full film days as well, it was almost more strenuous on the short films because you are putting so much in such a short amount of time. Whereas on those bigger films, they're there for the year <laughs> to get what they need done. And if they need to add time, they sure can. <laughs> but yeah, it seems that that's it seems that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that million dollar budget, your two hundred million dollar budget. <laughs> two hundred million, yeah. Yeah. Reported two hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> Reported, yes. Yeah. How do all these things compare to like reservation dogs where you're doing some similar things where you're like working on screen behind the screen? Um, mm -hmm. it, it's a series. So is there anything different from your from these areas for you? I will say so. Reservation Dogs is one of the only television shows that I've been a part of with with acting and being on the crew side and helping out with extras casting and and things like that. Um, I will say they had such an incredible like camaraderie and understanding of each other that they felt, I know I'm on the outside just working with everybody, but they felt like such a well-oiled machine. I don't know if that is, you know, if that's from FX or, or Hulu or like just the way that everybody had set up, but they knew exactly what they wanted and they knew how to how to work together to get it. And I think it's a testament, you know, to the writers and directors, mostly on that film um, and, and the indigenous community that was working in every single, you know, crew position on that film. Um, so much different and and so incredible compared to, you know, any film I've ever been on. So it was, it felt effortless. And I know that on the day, you know, things happen and it's just like any other show when you look at the big picture and in the way that things get done and made, but working with anybody on that film, it just felt joyous and fun and it made the job really easy. So, you know, even when I would, came on as an actor, it, it, it was incredible. I don't, I don't have more words to say than just, it was amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Except for that day when that guy Matt Bars was on set, right? Which, he was uh, in the catfish. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you were. <laughs> I was. I, I was one of the um, the streamers, the mid streamers. That was on. A, that was on the same episode, right, with me, because I, you know, got through the cold open, and then oh, later yeah. on in this in the yeah. same yeah. show in the same episode, I was like, "That's right." What am I? What is this? What am I seeing? <laughs> 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 it's, 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 when, you t when you when you talk about a well-oiled machine i mean uh the second day there was we lost half the day because of a, a storm and i was i was thinking there's no way they can get all this we got back on set at about noon i think and i thought to myself there's no way they can do all this and sure enough they they did it and they had then like you were saying they they had they were having a, everyone was having a good time doing it still too so yeah that that, that was amazing i've never been involved with the with the production that had more happy times than they did mm -hmm. angry or irritated that episode was directed by black horse low yes right can you do you have yeah. any thoughts or, or or stories and or anything um not really i mean again it was just you know everyone kind of joking around with each other and 
again, a testament to knowing exactly what they wanted. They were able to come in and, uh, you know, him and Black Horse and Sterling have a, a good, good back and forth. And everyone's able to know, you know, we do the scene and then edit it as we go or film and try, you know, a couple of different ways or anything like that. And it, it honestly was just a breeze, you know, uh, getting to work with Zahn. He knew exactly who he needed to be um, with Fig, and it. Uh, I don't really have. There was no like outstanding, or not outstanding, but like extreme thing that happened. The oiled machine just got everyone through the work. Truly, it really did. It was so seamless, you know. Um, just everyone was in good spirits and knew exactly what they wanted, and you know, I remember Migsy being there and. Uh, I think it was just, they're all such good friends that they would just hang out and watch and know. And I think that really came through in the in the TV series itself as well. Seems like it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about finding talent, especially with this rise in Indigenous content and searching for young performers, you know, huge successes with Fry Bread, Face and Me, What's the one from Canada that Nyla Inukshuk flashback? Back. Yeah, because like she had to go out and like run like acting classes, and that's how she found the girls to battle the aliens and kind of grew them into being these actors. And so, you know, how what's that? I'm what am I trying to ask you? How successful, how difficult, what are some of the challenges of finding actors, trained actors, or actors you can train that are young Indigenous people? Yeah, the Indigenous question, I think, is a big part of that, right? As we start to increase in our content, it seems like Mm -hmm. we are in need of a larger body of actors than we've had before. And historically, training is is expensive and it you know oh yeah it's few, you know studios are few and far between because there's not been a big demand for it mm-hmm. well i will say before i jump in i think it's really refreshing um the type of native stories that we're trying to tell these days lend itself to you know these productions want indigenous people and personalities that are to themselves as to who they are today so when we're searching or when i see you know inexperienced actors auditioning if they can if they can just be themselves they're exactly already what we're looking for and, and it's just really incredible like with cheese you know lane factor and most of the bad guy gang like they are truly like themselves on screen because that's who they came in with and that's how they landed these roles I will say that you know the native community is just incredible it's again it's just this like high mind of who you know and you know who would be right for what for Pishon's work Alyssa Goodfox sent me a direct message over Instagram and was like hey there's this audition or there's this you know breakdown you should audition for it. And I was like, absolutely, absolutely, you know, um, you know, why not? So the community truly looks out for each other. And 
sends each other the work and then word of mouth spreads. And, you know, if we do auditions anywhere in Oklahoma or through reservations and all of that, like people really do show up. And if they can just get past the nerves of, of the newness and the scariness of Hollywood, there there is no limit to the amount of indigenous talent that lives and exists. Um, and it's only going to get more refined and and bigger and better. And pretty soon we're going to have all, you know, acting schools for Native American communities. And I just, I just see it becoming this larger than life world that didn't exist before. I would be really interested to see how the methods change. Just because, you know, we, we talk about on the podcast about how Native storytelling is so different from Western storytelling that I would imagine that that kind of instruction would be very different. And I'm excited to see it. I think it'd be so cool. Me too. I've dreamed yeah. of like, sorry, you go. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, like, I would love to, it's something I've been thinking about, like hosting, you know, audition workshops or, you know, Native Americans or youth or anything like that. Um, just because, again, I believe that as soon as you can demystify Hollywood, it would be so much more accessible instead of just this thing that kind of exists because a couple of shows are, you know, coming out. hundred percent. Yeah. Seeing Native Americans and everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's a way that that can happen. Uh, <laughs> if, if that's, I would love to make it happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well. <laughs> uh, related to all of this, I'm curious if you see anything that is in the area of either performance unrelated from stunt or choreography or in the area of choreography that has something that's unique to indigeneity that is different from like non-indigenous performance or choreography anything that you've thought or seen experienced or wish i mean can we can we help and give you some examples of what we're talking about because yes, we we've noticed yeah <laughs> We've noticed, especially like in Reservation Dogs and, and the the Billy Luther's work, that there's just really this sense of place and that that Indigenous storytelling includes and like this inclusion of family ties and the importance of family. These are some of the common themes that we're seeing that are growing mm-hmm. out of this new movement. So I think I think that's what sunrise is alluding to maybe a little bit so sort of i mean like definitely i'm I'm just i'm really i'm just asking if you see that there's anything that's unique about being an indigenous performer that is unique to like indigeneity really yeah absolutely um on the i've been a, a part of a lot of indigenous short films and something that we do that i've been involved in is praying and and coming together as a full crew and cast um and starting our morning things blessing the set and you know blessing the the space that we are in and recognizing that we are a people first and then we go into the, into these positions and do the work that's really unique to native specific projects that I've been a part of and it just changes everything it brings everybody together you know before the work does um, and brings us together as a people that on top of, you know, there's this openness in a sense to talk about, you know, our ceremonies or our traditions or different like ways of life of being and 
you know, the generational like passing on of, of, you know, different rituals or, you know, what have you that I think is again, really specific to being indigenous and it creates such an epic moment to get to be involved in, in the world of film, you know, mixing those two. I come from personally a world where I didn't get to learn a lot about like my specific culture and the traditions and, and the anything of, you know, of the rituals or, you know, again, all of that. And so for me, I've been able to really open up and start to explore that side of myself that I don't think I ever really would have had I not been involved in such spaces that, you know, we want to share who we are as a people and we want to share these experiences and what they mean to us. So that I feel like is is very unique to being an Indigenous person in film. And, and not to say that it's just, you know, strictly Indigenous. We involve every race and color and person and anybody um, into these practices and I think that is very important to be said. It's not strictly native, um, but we welcome anybody into this into this world and into the knowledge that we have. That's a really great thing to indicate. Just the fact that you're coming to an embrace with your cultural identity in a way that wouldn't have happened had this environment and these particular circumstances of these makers didn't allow mm-hmm. it to happen you know like that is mm-hmm. um, to me a form of indigenizing or decolonizing the practices of the film workspace right yes this reconnection that's really incredible um yes. and, and and a reason why it's important beyond just like the traditions or or you know maintaining connection to things that are important for respecting others the space history but mm-hmm. You know, like this idea of inclusion and reconnection, all that stuff is what's going to make us continue to be strong together. That's really amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's going to lend itself to just even more in the future. You know, we are taking these what seem like small steps now, you know, a blessing prior to filming or seeing, you know, a practice on film. It's just going to lead to larger stories and larger production seeing this and you know embracing it as well so long as they do it in a in a respectful way you know I I think again in in Hollywood we have this really special time to bring in native I don't even really know what the word is because the position doesn't exist but like consultants or educators somebody to you know to bring in, in um to make sure that we're being true and authentic and, you know, mm-hmm. the ability to, to be able to teach as well on a film set. Yeah. I think like historically, it's always been just sort of like the cultural consultant, right? You bring yeah. somebody in like Disney, bring somebody in for Pocahontas to make sure that like they're wearing what they would have worn. And they're, you know. <laughs> and I guess today we get closer today. It's like language consultancy is becoming mm-hmm. a little bit more of a prominence, but uh, this is also something I see as sort of like maybe indigenous in its intention also. It's like you bring people in that have the expertise or the knowledge and there's sort of, a, um, you know, an element of uh, what I consider to be sort of like an elder's position, somebody who has historically mm-hmm. been older, whether they are mm-hmm. actually older or not, you know, like there are definitely people like in 
the Comanche tribe that I would go to that are very young to know something yes. about language, you know, even though there's probably somebody older that would know some things, but th those people seem to be constantly brought into any pr native production today. And it's just, it's not, it's beyond consultancy. Yes. It's like, yeah, it's integrated in the way the community of making a film needs to work just so that way it, it would. It's a Jane were. Meyer. It's a Jane Meyer. It's, it's a Jane, a Jane Meyer. Meyer. <laughs> it it mm -hmm. sure yeah. is. It sure yeah. is. Speaking of, can I, can I shift into this? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you've worked with Jane Meyer. You, you've also worked with Peach on Bread. I'm curious mm -hmm. if you could talk about the working with them a little bit, the way that you've kind of alluded to working with like Red Corn or Scorsese. What, what, what can you talk to us about with working with either of those two, those women? Um, I, yeah, had the immense pleasure of working with both of them. And, you know, they feel like took me in um, and they, they really feel like family to me. I, they were two people that I, was, I was very green. I was very new to this acting world. And then having the pressure of the role at the same time, it was just like an overwhelming amount of like learning and understanding. And thank goodness that <laughs> they're mother and daughter because they have this shorthand and this like comfortability that when they're together, they just make you feel very welcome and, and free to be exactly who you want to be while also being insanely intelligent and ah, grounded and like knowing exactly what they need to see and what they want. And they're just incredibly understanding to, to the person that they're dealing with in front of them, to their culture, to every element across the board and what is needed for film. So they were able to take someone like me who had just had no idea really what she was doing and, you know, into the expert that I feel like I am today you know I had the pleasure of going with them to Sundance uh with Mistress Red and it was again just a crash course in Hollywood and I, I feel like I learned a lot through just observing them be exactly who they are and being so steady in themselves and knowing that they are themselves experts they were just the uh role models that they, I don't even think they knew that they were being for me at the time. That's pretty amazing. It it really it really is that and and then at the same time like they're just fun you know they're like you know they know exactly what snacks that they want to get on set and like they knew you know they know how to make a set feel comfortable and uh, and and fun and lively even though there were some heavy moments on there on the the short film that I, I was involved in. Well, they had a lot of nice things to say about you at Dead Center. I was sitting next <laughs> to them when when we were watching Mr. Strad and they were like, that's my ride or die girl right there. <laughs> I love that. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> anytime, anytime I see them, I'm like, come on, let's go take a picture. Like, I, know. I can't believe you're not I over know. here. Like, get over here. Oh my here. gosh. We took pictures <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm so short. <laughs> Listen, I think we're very close to the same height, so I totally understand where you're coming from. <laughs> I am Hushan's short, little short half. <laughs> it's like you're gonna have to scoot way back to get both of us in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, 
they're always dressed to the nines and oh my gosh they're just they just amazing yeah 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 <laughs> amazing and i was like oh i'm in my my you know midwest mom capris whoops <laughs> yeah <laughs> just in awe of all their native designer wear that they've got going on right absolutely yeah yeah but they're so graceful they're, they're, it's like not you know they're going to be accommodating yeah they, they don't it's not like oh they're yeah going no to it's not like you an air or like a, like know a <laughs> oh no not at all not at poshness all or what you know whatever but when you know and when when you see the like when you just see the uh elegance to them it's very easy to know <laughs> it's very true to who they are Yeah. Well, and, and also kind of a dork. So I just love that Oh about yeah. them. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably shouldn't be making movies if they're not a little bit, you know. True. Or maybe, or I don't know. No, they <laughs> definitely should be making movies. yeah, yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> Everything Yeah. they create is just amazing. I mean, they just launched their, their whole new line. Mm-hmm. There's fashion line, so... Yeah. House of Sutai. Is that, how, I think that's how you say it. Is I've that not how you said say it. it? I haven't. I didn't Sutai. want to try. I tried. <laughs> Pishan, please <laughs> Pishan, let us know how you pronounce it, if that's incorrect. please let us know. Is it Comanche? <laughs> Sunrise should know. Comanche, yes. Is it Sute? Uh, Sutai. 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 Okay, good. I was right. Yeah. Yeah. Her Ooh, right. beautiful, right? Her beauty. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. I got in early and now I, I own one of those necklaces, so Oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I sure do. Like I need these. <laughs> and now we've turned into a endorsement <laughs> podcast for everything that Pichon Bread does. And I'm okay this with that. is true. <laughs> yeah. if I if we can <laughs> if we can I'm going to stop. talk about them, they're Pishon is another is another creator who wears a ton of hats on a film. I love the fact that like, you know, getting into my position in film, it was like, you can't do more than one thing on a film. Like, that's unheard of. If you work in the casting, you know, in the extras office, like you can't do this or that. And like all of these people telling me that I can't, they at the same time. they wear very many hats they're you know writing and directing and consulting and you know working in the extras room themselves and there's horse riding and like making props yeah and yeah art yeah art department yeah i mean yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like there is no end to the amount of talent in indigenous people and and we're multifaceted you know in any aspect of the crew world you would want Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining us. It has been Yeah, so much fun to thank visit you guys. with you. Any last questions from our hosts? Before our regular questions, what what is next for you? Like in terms of either something that's about to be released that you've worked on or something you're about to go work on? I worked on an amazing short film, an indigenous short um, down in Austin called uh, The Three Lives of Anika Blue. And Yeah, I'm very curious I'm not, about this. yeah, I'm not sure where it is in the process of, um, you know, in, in post-production. 
how close they are to releasing it. Um, but that was one, that was a film that was just an incredible experience. Gosh, and again, you play the you play the titular character again, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I I don't I can't remember if I've got anything else coming out. Um uh Hunter Red Horse, um his short film called Two Worlds Two will worlds. hopefully make it yeah, you know, its way through festivals. Um he's kind of we've got a few festivals in the works and uh hopefully more to come so you know we can look out for that one and i think that might be it and you know auditioning for more films coming through oklahoma too did you meet hunter on killers at all or did, did that so yes we we without knowing each other we worked um you know hunter worked i i can't remember if he was on it as stunts but we ended up in a race together um and you know he was he was the very fast guy that won and uh, uh during this race during the wedding um and you know a couple months later he reached out to me and was like hey you know Pishon <laughs> like let's work on something together and I said absolutely um and then through working together we realized that we were on Killers of the Flower Moon together yeah <laughs> oh wow yeah yeah this community you know works together stays together and if you're on one you should know you know about all the rest <laughs> is there something besides acting casting stunt work that you would like to take on or try or um, that, that, I, that interests you uh, i i'm very interested in you know filmmaking and directing i have some written ideas out in the world um, that I would love to get the chance to step into. Uh, I just, just haven't quite gotten there yet. <laughs> You'll get there. Yeah, I'll get there. Yeah. Yep. I would love to be a director one day. I think that would be an amazing goal. Then I'll, I'll ask our two questions that we ask all okay. of our guests. Don't worry. They're not scary. <laughs> what are you consuming and I mean, like reading or listening to or watching that is inspiring you right now. So I am myself listening to the audiobook of The Death of Sybil Bolton by Dennis McAuliffe. Um, my, the character I play in Killers of the Flower Moon is based off of this woman and um, the book that was written. Again, another shout out um, to... Killers of the Flower Moon and the way that this film took on, you know, embraced the Native community. I just really want to quickly say Killers of the Flower Moon, the book, was based around, you know, the beginning of the FBI and the trial of Robert De Niro's character. And Scorsese really took in, I think, other history you know, A Pipe from February is a book and then The Death of Sybil Bolton like brought in this world of seeing pre-trial and, you know, had more to do with the history and and more to do with these books than The Killers of the Flower Moon book itself did. So I am listening to The Death of Sybil Bolton, learning more about this story and who she was and all of that. 
Okay. The second question, what advice would you give your younger self? Man, if I could give myself any advice would be that just to not be as timid or shy as I was, um, knowing if, if I knew then the type of expert that I feel like now, I, I would have gone into every single room unapologetic, able to make decisions and just play and be in the space rather than asking for permission to be in the space. You don't even need to ask permission. You mm. are exactly who you need to be. You have enough talent and I cannot wait for the world to see all you have to do in the film industry. I love that. It's good advice for all of us. <laughs> it Especially sure is. I, people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be who you are. Show up as that and they're going to want you in their shows well Quiana to our listeners for listening and be sure to catch us next time same indigenous time same indigenous channel be sure to find us on our socials Facebook real indigenous podcast Twitter at real underscore indigenous and Instagram real indigenous pod we love getting messages from everybody we do have a Patreon and yeah, it's there. <laughs> Can be Please. our white savior. Yeah. Please. I mean, if, if, if you're listening to this, <laughs> it takes a lot of work to get this done. Uh, just show just a little appreciation. It doesn't have to be much. We have been collecting us. things from conferences to send to you. Random stuff from conferences. Yeah, I've just been buying discs left and right thinking I'm going to be giving these discs away to people that's right i'll watch them i guess but i'd like to give them away <laughs> so we look forward to seeing you next time and remember don't just keep it real keep it keep it real, real indigenous oh yeah that was cool yeah. that was that was a good one <laughs> Can we worth some money one day? Because he's really <laughs> joined us. <laughs>